Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. It's anticipation. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. It is our privilege to be in the middle of the long sermon series. It is a series that is 33 years in the making. And I asked last night a question that just confused everyone, so let me say, ask the question that I want, wanted to ask. Last night I asked if anybody was around 33 years ago. Well, of course not, because the only person that's been around here this long is Dr. Attic, and he's not here. So what I wanted to know was, is there anybody here who, didn't, who wasn't alive 33 years ago? That's what I wanted to see. Okay, all right, okay. That's what I wanted to know. What you need to know about Russell V. DeLong is that he was uh, one of the spokespersons for the Church of the Nazarene. He was, uh, the church was identified with the sound of his voice and with his preaching around, uh, around the United States. In honor of his father, uh, his family established this preaching series. It is an honor to participate. All of the folks who have been a part of the Christian preaching series um, have the potential of being nominated. Those who are nominated then uh, have, the, have the opportunity to submit a manuscript. Uh, those manuscripts that are submitted are then evaluated and the three persons who will preach this week are, um, are the folks whose manuscript, manuscripts uh, were rated the highest. This evening's preacher is Rick Gunberg. He hails from South China, Maine. Not South China, not China Beach, not South Beach, South China, Maine. Uh, he's married to Bob Joe. They have three children, Jordan and Dylan and Ian, and they are all here, and I want you to welcome them, please. <laughs> Bob Joe graduated last year, right? And uh, Rick will graduate this spring. And they are looking for an opportunity uh, that God has for them to be co-pastors in, in a full-person ministry. I think that's probably how they'd like to describe that, a whole-person ministry. And uh, so, so they're still in the process of finding out where that, will, where that will be and where they will serve. As they did last night, I want to present a certificate. And so, Rick, if you'll come. This is awarded to you on recognition of your participation as a preacher in the long sermon series on the first day of May 2007 at Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We look forward to your ministry of the word. Thanks, Rick. Where would we be, Jesus, if you hadn't loved us first? Where would we be if you hadn't called out our name and said, come, follow me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where would we be? Oh, we'd be so lost. We give you thanks for the reminder that all that we're about um, is you. Every gift we have, every promise we hold, every opportunity we look for, every action that we take, it's all about you. What we do ask for this evening is that the all that we have in you would be more complete. Uh, 
You would find new ways to revere yourself to us, find new ways for us to respond to you, find new ways through your word and through our brother to see more clearly that it's all about you. And we give you thanks for the opportunity and for the reality of that potential. And we thank you for it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Let's start with a, a quick word of prayer before we start in tonight. Lord God, I ask you tonight to do a mighty work. Lord, and to speak to our hearts tonight through your word. And Lord, we are blessed to be in your presence. Spend this time with you. Lord, we ask you Lord, just touch each one of us here. Open our hearts for what you want to say. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I couldn't have asked for a better segue than something Jim had uh, said last night in his message. He talked about the tongue setting the world on fire. Tonight, I'd like us to talk about fire, but not the bad kind of fire that Jim was talking about. This is a good kind of fire. When I think of fire, I'm reminded of when I was a young teenager, when I grew up in a small town in Maine called Troy. It was the kind of town that if someone sent you mail, they didn't have to bother with the zip code because the mailman knew all ten families that lived in that town. But I loved it growing, out in the middle of, growing up in the middle of nowhere in Maine. And I loved when my father would ask me to help him burn a field. Has anyone here ever burned a field or been part of that? Well, that was one of the highlights in my young years. Once every couple of years, on a cool, clear Saturday morning, my father would come into my room and quietly say, Rick, Rick, wake up. That was about 7 o'clock in the morning, and for many teens, being woken up before 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning is practically a felony. <laughs> but when I knew he wanted me to help him burn a field, I was excited. He would have a bunch of guys over, and they had made all the preparations ahead of time so things wouldn't get out of control. And we would all watch this fire very closely. Why did I love fire? Well, quite honestly, it, there's something magnificent about it. I, I always have loved fire. There's something beautiful, something powerful. I found out how powerful one time when I was out behind my house playing with matches. Yes, I was a naughty child sometimes. Dylan and Ian don't listen to this part. <laughs> but I had a raggedy old shirt behind the house. I got it out of my father's garage, which would explain that when I lit it on fire, it just burst into flame. Because he had used that rag to wipe his hands of oil and gasoline. Well, me being the quick thinker I am, 
I didn't want to get my fingers burnt, so I threw the shirt. Where of all places? Toward the house. That's right, I caught the back of the house on fire. And I ran to my parents and said, Mom, Dad, the house is on fire. Call the fire department. And for some reason, I'll explain to you if you come up to me later, they never asked me if I was the one responsible. That was an interesting story, but I won't get into that right now. But I was always amazed after we burned this large field of old, dead, brown, dry grass and weeds, how after a year or two, it would grow back with this lush, thick, green grass. That was amazing to me. It was, it was like something had to be destroyed in order to make way for something new, something better. Paul talks about this dynamic in our passage for tonight. If you'd like to turn with me, it's Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. If we have been united with him like this in death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. In looking at this passage tonight, in this message entitled, Out with the Old, In with the New, I'd like us to consider two aspects of it. First, the old creature. The old creature. And second, the new creation. So let's begin with the old creature. When we read the first few words of this passage, what do we immediately see? Paul is continuing a, a train of thought he was having from the previous chapter. 
In chapter 5, he ends with saying, The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace must reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Which leads us to 6, which says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? That grace may increase? Now, that's a strange comment, isn't it? This, but, but Paul did say where sin increased, grace increased all the more. For some of us, we needed a whole lot of God's grace with the lives that we used to live. I know that I needed a whole lot of God's grace. I won't go into all the details, but in my early 20s, I thought I was living for the moment. But really, I was dead all along. That was the old creature. When I think of that time in my life, I think of what I once heard a pastor say on the radio. He said, even if there were no heaven and no hell, he would still want to live the life of a Christian and be free from the bondage of sin. Perhaps some of you don't have that kind of rebellious past, and I say praise God for that. But for all of us here, at some point in our lives, something major needed to happen. And God had to be the one to do it. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, all of mankind that would come after them would have to contend with this thing called original sin, or sin from the beginning. At that time, God provided a system, a system of atonement for the Jews, so they would be forgiven of their sins. But there came a point when the Jews were just going through the motions. It meant nothing to them. Do we ever see that in our churches today? But God was so gracious and loving that He sent His Son Jesus Christ, to die for all the sins of mankind. Sin was defeated through Jesus' death and resurrection. And because of this, our old creature could be put to death. I once heard Stephen Manley point out this fact, that being uh, crucified with Christ is not a matter of will. Well, let's think about it. It would be physically, humanly impossible for us to crucify ourselves, wouldn't it? It took the love and mercy of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our old creatures to be put to death. That is what Paul is writing about here when he says that we are baptized into the death of Jesus I love the image of a pastor baptizing a new believer and lowering that new believer into the water, signifying this death of self, participating in this death with Jesus Christ. And what happens when the old creature dies? Well, we have new life. We are new creations. Remember the story of of the burning field and the new life that followed it with that plush green grass, God's own Son, Jesus Christ, 
had to die in order to make way for new life. Romans 8, uh, Romans 6 verse 8 says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Who's living with Christ tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm reminded of what Paul writes in Romans 8 as well, where he says, We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only that, but ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. When Adam and Eve fell, all of creation fell. And even creation suffers this pain and destruction while awaiting restoration. Our old selves had to die in order for our relationship with God to be restored. Paul goes on in Romans 6 to tell his listeners not to let sin reign in their lives. After all, the victory over sin has already been won. They do not have to give in to their evil desires. They do not have to offer the parts of their body as instruments of wickedness. We do not have to let sin reign in our lives. And we do not have to let our, the parts of our body be used as instruments of wickedness. That phrase, parts of our body being used as instruments of wickedness, I want to talk about a few aspects of that. Let's begin with the eyes. Matthew 5.28 says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Our eyes can easily be used as instruments of wickedness. Focusing upon images we ought not to focus upon. Addiction to pornography is a huge problem, not only for those outside the church, but some, some of those who are in the church. Also, dare I ask, are there TV shows or movies that we may watch at home that we know for certain we would not watch if Jesus Christ were sitting there in physical form right there by our side. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about how we would be if Jesus was in physical form right there next to us. Well, we don't see him, but guess what? He is in the room. And what about our ears? Do we sometimes listen to things that we shouldn't? I remember an all-nighter I was at uh, quite a few years ago at our church in Maine where a teenager who just had a gift with playing his electric guitar, he was, he was really something to listen to. Well, during this all-nighter, he went up on stage and started playing the song. I recognized it. And I recognized it from way back before I came to the Lord. And I knew the lyrics to it. And the lyrics were... Well, let's just say they were unholy, and that's, that's being kind. And so I said to him, I'd rather you didn't play this 
on stage at church. And the next morning I went outside and found one of my tires slashed on my car. Which, how many of you are going to the youth ministry? <laughs> I, I would advise you to invest in some good tire repair kits if you're going to reach out to every, every kind of team. And it's worth it. When our ears delight in taking in slanderous comments about someone, then they are instruments of wickedness. We ought to let people know when we don't feel comfortable with gossip that's being spread about someone else. James, which Jim talked about last night, writes in depth about the destructive power of the tongue. And Jim spoke in depth about the power of the tongue. Brothers and sisters, we ought not to underestimate the damage that can result from what we say to one another. Proverbs tells us to be slow to speak and slow to respond. And there is a very good reason for that. Times of anger and frustration will come and go, but the damaging reactions can cause wounds that may last for a long time. We must be quick to ask for forgiveness at those times, but even more importantly, be slow to speak and slow to respond. Paul says that because we are new creations, we do not have to be captive to these things. We have been freed from sin. I like what one commentator wrote. He said what Paul does present here is not the impossibility of committing a single sin, but the impossibility of continuing in a life dominated by sin. Paul then tells his readers in Romans, offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. To offer means surrender. Surrender the body and all its parts to God for His purposes. When this happens, sin shall no longer be the master because we are under the grace of God. This being said, is it possible to turn our backs on God and live for ourselves? Yes. Yes, it is possible. And in that case, our lives would be dominated by sin. But, if we are living for God, and if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are not dominated by sin. Do we still mess up? Does anybody here still mess up? <laughs> I see that hand. Do we still have weaknesses? Yes. Absolutely. But we don't have to be ruled by those failures or weaknesses. We have a heavenly ruler. We have a heavenly hope. We are new creations. Should we sin? 
all the more so that God's grace can increase? Silly question, isn't it? Because we have experienced God's forgiveness and mercy, we have already seen the abundance of God's grace in our lives. Our old creature could not be put to death were it not for God's grace. We would not be a new creation were it not for God's grace. The question for us tonight is this. Will we live as if we know the grace of God? Or will we live as if ruled by worldly desires? Will we live as if dominated by the old creature? Or will we live in the fullness and forgiveness and the promise of eternal life? Is there anything left? Is there anything left of the old creature that must be put to death? Is there anything left that could be an obstacle between us and God? This is the time to come to God and repent. Is there sinful lust in our hearts? Now is the time to come to Him and ask for forgiveness. Is there a desire to control and to manipulate? To, to control and manipulate our own lives, even though that is not what God ever intended for us? Now is the time to surrender to Him. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about holiness. We're talking about surrender. We are called to be a holy people. And one last question. Is there a lack of a heavy, a heavy burden for those who are right now, at this moment, bound for hell? That's a tough question to ask. But if that is the case, come down and pray for God to light a fire, a good kind of fire, in our hearts. A fire that leads us to love on those who desperately need Him, just like we desperately needed Him before we came to know. As Dr. Like plays uh, a final song for us tonight, let us use this time to surrender to God's refining fire. A fire that will burn away the old, dead, dry grass and weeds and briars that may still be there. Let us take this time to respond to God, to surrender ourselves, to surrender our plans, to surrender our wills. We have a loving and gracious God who wants to hear from us. The altar is open for anyone who would like to come and to bring, bring anything to God that you feel you need to talk to Him about. You 
may even want to pray for someone that you love, but you know they're not saved. I invite you at this time as well to come down and pray for those folks as well.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come into your presence. Lord, and to spend this intimate time with you and to ask ourselves questions of where we need to be touched by your refining fire. We thank you for that fire, Lord, that cleanses and purifies us. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love and the sacrifice that was made for all of us. We praise you, Lord, for how you're going to continue to touch the ministries of all the students here and how you touch the professors in their ministry to us. We love you so much. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.